This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, coming up top of the hour, the general manager of the New Jersey Devils featuring a brand new shiny Timo Meyer, who will join the team tomorrow in Denver. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald, general manager of the uh, New Jersey Devils, joins me here coming up in about 20 minutes' time. In the meantime, we turn our attention to the Winnipeg Jets, and when we talk about the Jets, we call Ken Weeb. Uh, he's got his thumb on the pulse, and he knows what's going on, despite the fact that Ken, as we know, around this type of this around this time of year, um, general managers tend to perform truth yoga, as I like to refer to it as. It's, you know, kind of the truth, but it's stretched, and it means kind of what you want it to mean at different times of the day, if not week, if not month. Um, first of all, the Nito Nita Rider deal, um, a really tidy bit of business by Kevin Dayoff. I know they don't want rentals. They're not interested in that. They want players with term. Um, he checks a box that way, also checks a box by way of need. And also, this is a team that has aspirations to go deep. And if you're going to do that, a player like Nita Ryder can always help. How did you see the Nita Ryder deal with Nashville? Yeah, great to be with you, Jeff. Uh, I think it's a smart addition for a team that's been struggling to score. I think 33 goals in the last 16 games here for, for what is supposed to be a potent and high-powered offense. Uh, Nino brings a quality that they don't have a ton of uh, beyond you know, a guy like Adam Lowry uh, guy, and Dubois. I mean, guys that like to live around the paint, get their nose dirty, uh, play a more physical brand of game. And you know, I had a chance to talk with Bruce Goudreau on the weekend, and, and he, had, he had Nino for three, you know, two and a half, three years. And he said when, when he's hot, there's, you know, few players better. But uh, one of the issues with uh, Niederreiter over his time is that he's gone through a couple of gold spells. But uh, he's a guy that is engaged, uh, you know, really, really likable guy, too, according to Bruce. And uh, we know this organization values character. And I think he's a very smart addition. I mean, for a team that, I mean, you mentioned Timo Meyer. I mean, the Jets were in the Timo Meyer sweepstakes. But I think the lack yeah. of an ability to maybe have a long-term extension with them sort of uh, had shovel day off shifting gears and uh, I think it's a smart addition but for me this has got to be the more of a starting point than the finishing point for the Jets but I love the truth yoga mm. uh, I love the I love the term and I'm fascinated <laughs> to see where the Jets go yeah. next I mean I think they could use another middle six forward and I know Elliot's been talking about you know, the potential to add a defenseman too which I think would would be something that could help them out and I know, uh, you know, your favorite subject is Jacob Chikrin. And for me, uh, Jacob Chikrin, Nick Bukestad combo platter uh, would certainly help the Jets uh, sort of even out some of the arms race that's happening in the Eastern Conference. Yep. You know, you sound like Kevin BX. Every time I finish on uh, the second intermission of, of Hockey Night, he usually greets me with a, what, no Chikrin update, Merrick? Um, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. You know, I, 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 do wonder about, um, I do wonder about a player like James Van Riemsdyk. And when I saw the deal on Saturday with Niederreiter, part of me said, well, I wonder then if Dayoff is out of the James Van Riemsdyk sweepstakes. You know, I think Minnesota's in on uh, on Van Riemsdyk as well. But is there a, a room at the inn for James Van Riemsdyk in Winnipeg? Yeah, I mean, I know that his name has been mentioned quite a bit. Uh, but for me, I think this probably fills that kind of a void, maybe, if you will. I mean, the, the Jets are going through a bit of a tough time in terms of primary but also complimentary scoring. Adam Lowry has uh, now gone 33 games without a goal, and that's why I mentioned Hubstad. I mean, Hubstad's a guy that can play center, can play wing, 
Yeah. Uh, I think they might want to help their you know, down the middle. We know they're strong down the middle with Lowry, Dubois, and Shifley, but I mean, Kevin Stenman has kind of come back to earth a bit, I guess, in terms of his play. His face-off numbers are down a bit. So, I mean, he's given them great minutes this year, and I'm not saying he's going to be out of the rotation, but uh, I think they might be looking more uh, at a centerman necessarily rather than a winger. But, again, I wouldn't rule out a winger either. Um, I don't think they're out of the rental market. It just depends on what they're willing to give up. And now we're all waiting to see what the Tanner Janot deal means to the rest of the marketplace, right? I mean, we know that he's a guy that yes. uh, is under under a you know reasonable contract and team control here. But, I mean, that was a, a hefty price to pay. But those power forwards are hard to find. And I know you've been talking about the uh, Lightning needing a few uh, more, more pricks, if you will. And I think they added uh, one of the most... Yeah. Uh, effective ones in the NHL. So I love that, love that deal for Tampa. And you know, I think that there'll yeah. be other teams looking for a little bit of snarl. And we know Vegas got Barbashev. And for me, he was a top target for the yep. Jets. But uh, I think now they're going to maybe look for someone like that, that they could play on a line with, with Adam Lowry. With a, you know, Scott wouldn't fall under that category, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who's done so much scoring at 5-1-5 this year that I think that would be another kind of weapon the Jets would be looking at uh, as they get closer to Friday here. I- I can, uh, speaking of Bukestad and Winnipeg, and this is going back a number of years, there was one deadline where Winnipeg and Florida were talking a bunch, and this is when Bukestad was a Panther, and the Panthers were willing to let go of Bukestad, but they wanted Matthew Perot in return. I'm not sure if the deal was bigger than that, but those were the two primaries, and Winnipeg wasn't going to let Perot go. Uh, and obviously, the the deal didn't you know didn't get anywhere. But this wouldn't be the first time that Kevin Chevaldeoff would look at at Bugstad and say, "Yeah, you know what? I want that guy here." Yeah, absolutely. And I think they were kind of sniffing around Vincent Trocheck, uh, whether it was that deadline or maybe the one either before or after. So, I mean, Bugstad's also you know little known fact, former roommate of Nate Schmidt at the University of Minnesota. So, I think it'd be an easy transition for him to step into the room, but. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that the Jets have you know, scouted and been interested in before. That's kind of one of the reasons. I know there's lots of interest, whether it's Edmonton or some of the other teams, but I think he'd be a perfect fit here in a lot of ways. Right-handed shot, can play center wing, bigger body, uh, and just a guy who's given you know, the Coyotes just a great season. I was fortunate enough to speak with him at Mullet Arena back in October, and uh, he's just a you know, really high-character guy, just like Nita Ryder. So uh, I, I think that... I think they're still going to add a long-winded way of saying I expect them to still be pretty active. I think they're, according to Cap Friendly and Puckpedia, I think they're at about $4.8 million of room, and it, that number could grow to about 5.5 by Friday. So uh, I, I think that uh, Kevin Chevrolet is waiting patiently, but I still expect them to uh, you know, spend the majority of that cap, uh, cap money that's available to them. So Niederreiter goes to the Winnipeg Jets and, you know, Timo Meyer on the weekend goes to the New Jersey Devils. Now they did get some NHLers in return and some prospects as well. But, you know, the, the theme so far this year around deadline has been players going from the West to the East. And I think we've all been wondering why, why is it this way specifically this season? You know, one person said to me, you know, I, I wonder if it's just, you know, teams know that, you know, at the end of this, Colorado is going to be healthy. We'll see about Landis Gog and Kale McCarr, and they're going to be frightening. And if you saw the avalanche on Saturday against the Calgary Flames, you say to yourself, uh-oh, they look great again. Um, so what's the point about loading up? But that's just one person's theory. Uh, do you have a theory why we're seeing all the big names go from the West to the East? 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I mean, I saw the avalanche firsthand here Friday night, Jeff, and uh, Fred and Dylan couldn't have yeah. said it better. The Jets got humbled. Um, they, they found out what the benchmark is and was and will continue to be. Uh, I do think that the, there will be still an impetus for the teams in the West, uh, not necessarily to catch up, but I mean, we know that Kelly McCrimmon is going to be active. We said we added Barbashev, but I, I cannot imagine that he's going to yep. be done with, with Mike Stone being out. We know Jim Mill is, is going to be active in the West. And I think that some of those other teams, I mean, we know LA has been sniffing around uh, at making an addition based on how well they've played. Seattle is kind of the wild card here. Like, is Ron Francis going to push a few more chips in based on how well his team has performed in year two compared to year one? So I do think there are moves coming. I just think that part of the issue so far has been that you know, guys like Mike Greer and Bill Armstrong have been very patient. Um, and But we know that those those teams right. have players that are, that are drawing interest. I mean, even a guy like Nick Benino, uh, a former cup champion, I think is going to be on the move yep. here. And even I should put Kyle Davidson in that mix uh, too, Jeff, right? I mean, whether it's Sam Lafferty or Max Domi, I know that you've talked about his interest in sticking around. I mean, Domi is a guy who would be of yep. interest to a lot of teams that want a guy with a nose for the net and has been performing really well. So uh, I think that the, it's not a matter of the West won't make any moves because they're thinking that, oh, well, it's going to be Boston or Tampa or Toronto or New York or or the Devils or, or, or. I mean, but I just think that it's a matter of Carolina, we should say, too. But I think that the yeah. West is still wide open. And even though Colorado, you know, obviously looks like the, uh, you know, looks like the pace car once again, and I do expect them to win the Central Division, uh, I expect there are going to be some moves made here by Western Conference teams uh, before Friday's deadline. And it's interesting. It feels like it's becoming a buyer's market but the sellers don't believe that yet. Right. Yep. So, uh, but I think the market is going to be saturated. The market is going to be saturated. And I mean, that's yeah. why I applaud Doug Armstrong. Look at what Doug has done. He got it. You talk about preemptive strikes. Yeah. I mean, he's made the majority of his moves already. And now if he wants to make some more with guys with term, he's still sort of in the driver's seat. So uh, I do think the West is still going to get moving here and get busy. And uh, there's still a lot of teams that believe that they can win the West. And, the other part of the theory is that the East is so tough that those teams are going to be beating their, each other's brains in, and maybe the, that means the West could be in a better position come uh, Stanley Cup final time if the team yeah. is fortunate enough to get there. You know, I, I, I have wondered, you know, you mentioned, you know, players with term and defensemen with term. Jeez, um, I remember Kevin Dayoff a few trade deadlines ago trying to bring in um, you know, big Jamie Alexiak from the, the then Dallas Stars. And I do wonder about, you know, the Winnipeg Jets looking at someone like Colton Pareko and saying, mm, I, I wonder if, if Dayoff is interested there and could pull the trigger to pull, you know, a pretty big defenseman out of the St. Louis Blues organization. Would that make any sense to you? It does, Jeff. I mean, I wrote about that on the weekend, and, and I think that you know, you talked about Alexia that same year. The Jets ran on Ekholm before I think he got his extension as well, right? So, I think that's the type of defenseman they don't have a lot of, and that's why I've mentioned Prairie also. I mean, Prairie guy, big, strong guy. He's been, you know, he's won it all. He's got you know, big body, kills penalties. I think he'd be a perfect partner for Josh yeah. Morrissey, and that's to say nothing about Dylan Demello, but a guy that is, you know, it's had a, has had a bit of a tough year. I know we know a few guys on that Blues team have had tough years and we know what Craig Brubay feels about it, but I do think that Pareko would be a great addition. Now, again, there's always some risk involved when you have someone with seven more years left on the deal and will be in his late 30s by the end of the contract, but to me the thing that is appealing about Pareko outside of the obvious, he's a guy of kind of a late bloomer, right? 
Alberta Junior League guy. He doesn't have uh, as much yep. mileage on the tires. So he might age well when it comes to one of those longer-term contracts. And I think he's a guy who's just, again, high, had a chance to be around the Blues a lot over the years. He's such a high-character person, so similar to Ryan O'Reilly. And I love that trade for the Leafs, uh, by the way. Uh, I think Pareko would be a great addition for any team, especially a team like the Jets, who have a lot of the same on their back end, right? they got a lot of good puck movers. You know, some of the guys are undersized. I think Pareko has great mobility, but he just gives them an element that they don't have a lot of outside of Brendan Dillon when it comes to that physical nature. And, you know, Logan Stanley, who they've been kind of waiting to, to grow into that role. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Winnipeg faces off against the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow in Winnipeg. Uh, Ken, you're the best. Thanks, as always, for stopping by today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And it's the uh, Niederreiter was with Dubois and Ehlers today for the, uh, for the fantasy hockey folks that are uh, wondering where he's going to slot in. <laughs> That's a good-looking line. That's a really nice-looking yeah, looking line, line with, uh, with yeah. some uh, – you got a power forward, you got a big, strong center, and you got speedy Nick Ehlers. That looks, that looks real nice. Ken, you're great. Thanks, as always, for this, pal. Uh, we got a hustle. On the other side, Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, will break down with him how this deal came together. Timo Meyer, who greets the team tomorrow in Denver in advance of their game against the Avalanche. We're talking Timo Meyer with the man that made the deal, Tom Fitzgerald, GM of the New Jersey Devils. Keep it here. Merrick Show continues. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining me here uh, for Hour 2. Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, will be aboard in a couple of moments. Uh, real quick tonight, uh, a number of interesting games. No Taylor Hall for the uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, he's dinged up as they face off against, well, his old team, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that one starts 8.30 Eastern on Sportsnet East Ontario and Sportsnet West. Before that, the Detroit Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators. Here's why this one is interesting. Well, it's a pair of games. So these two teams play back-to-back. And in a lot of ways, this is going to tell you what Pierre Dorian is going to do in advance of Friday's deadline. The Senators drop both of these games against the Red Wings. I don't even think they, you know, look at that game on the second against the New York Rangers and say maybe there's a glimmer of hope. Um, But we'll see. These are two crucial games versus two teams. Uh, Detroit Red Wings certainly have strong playoff aspirations and the Ottawa Senators kind of clinging to something. The Detroit Red Wings could um, snuff out those dreams for the Ottawa Senators uh, in these two upcoming games, the first of which tonight uh, that gets underway at 7 o'clock. Also, on Sportsnet 1, and Sportsnet Pacific, the Vancouver Canucks face off against the Dallas Stars. Now, JT Miller did not make the trip to Dallas. Uh, as the Vancouver Canucks announced about know, half an hour ago, JT Miller is week-to-week with a lower body injury. Electric conspiracy theories flow freely. Uh, but the Vancouver Canucks face off against the Dallas Stars. It's the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. The Chicago Blackhawks face off against the Anaheim Ducks. That one at 10 o'clock Eastern. Meanwhile, Timo Meyer is now a member of the New Jersey Devils. He will uh, meet the team tomorrow in advance of the Devils facing off against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, the man that made the deal happen joins me now. Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. Tom, first of all, congratulations. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jeff. You're welcome. 
listen, um, first of all, congratulations. Uh, this was uh, an interesting one all along the way. Um, I think your New Jersey Devils was the first team we wondered about when Timo Meyer became available. And it's not just the the Heischer, Siegenthaler, uh, Swiss issue, although that is a, a nice sidebar to it. It just seemed as if when we looked at Timo Meyer and looked around the landscape, it fit with New Jersey. Uh, I'm always curious the answer to this one. At what point was Tom Fitzgerald interested in Timo Meyer? Like, was there a part of your brain that said, I hope one day we can bring this player in? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I would, to, to be quite honest, I, I know uh, a year ago we were talking, Joe, Will, and I just, hey, if you're ever thinking about wherever direction you're going, you got Timo Meyer, you know, he's got the, the, the big, big landing on the contract, QOs, all that. Let us know. So we we we've, mm-hmm. we've been inquiring for quite some time, but of course, you know when uh, Mike Gray took over, you just continue to you know check in with with the GMs, and Mike and I did the same thing, and what direction they were going to go, and um, you know I just felt you know if he was going to move him, could, would he? We would have strong interest, and and then that became you know we have strong interest with an extension, you know, and then then you start then mm-hmm. things just start snowballing and. Uh, you get to a time probably a month ago where a framework of a deal looked, wow, you know, this, this, we may have pieces that they want. And then it just it, it kind of goes from there, Jeff. And, uh, but at the end of the day, we felt that, you know, he was a perfect, we think he's a perfect fit what we need um, to complement our group here, mm-hmm. uh, to add to it the age um, with or without a contract. So we just decided to to take this, take this plunge because of because of the player um first of all uh i love an old school big deal and you know it's kind of gone the way of the dodo bird it's uh the unicorn like like nine players four draft picks 13 pieces in this one was this one from your perspective always going to be a huge deal or did it start small and then snowball (laughs) <laughs> it definitely snowballed. I'll just leave it at that. Like it definitely snowballed. But you know what? When you get to when you get, we felt once we got into the red zone, um, yeah. how could we push this push this thing over the goal line? So um, yeah, things you know important things to Mike was he wanted to clean up his his number of contracts. You know, um, we could we could help yeah. him with that. Um, you know, obviously Timo was the the, the player that. <laughs> is the best player in the deal, but, you know, but we also had yeah. things that were important that we weren't going to touch. Um, so you start, when you start creating that, you know, those barriers, you, you, you can definitely come to see there's the deal right there. And then you're just cleaning it up mm-hmm. at the end, like Mike and I did yesterday. You know, it, it, it almost seems as if, and again, I've never been a manager uh, a day in my life. Uh, I play fantasy hockey and make, you know, trades on the radio here on a regular basis, and they sort of float into the ethers. Um, but, you know, I, I wonder when you're when you're making a deal like this, Tom, so I'm always curious about the art or the craft of the manager and how these things come together. You know, do the conversations essentially start with who's off the table? Like, hey, I'm not going to move Mercer. Hey, I'm not going to move Luke Hughes. Hey, I'm not going to move, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you work from there. Like, how does, essentially, like, sort of rip the guts out of this. Like, how do deals like this come together? Okay, well, two things. First, 
Jeff, I, I wasn't a manager either before, you know, before I took this job, but I will tell you my <laughs> fantasy football managerial experience has, has helped me. You know, I'm, I'm still a manager in fantasy football. Mm. I, um, so it's really helped me uh, manage a hockey team for real. Um, second. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it, it starts that way. You know, I'm not, I'm not moving player A or B. That's not, I, I don't want to move player C. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the other players here. Um, then you're trying to match up value. We may think so-and-so is a really good prospect or an A prospect, but at the end of the day, the team that's selling the best player will will decide <laughs> what the value is on that, that prospect. So you, you try to get to common right. ground that way. Um, and then, like like I told you, once you start snowballing and it's the the, the, play, the pieces are are in place, and then you get down to the end and you may be haggling over, you know, a, a different player in the deal, or you know, adding a player in a deal. Mm-hmm. And if I do that, you got to take this. And 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 really, that's that's how it starts. You know, you just you know, hey, I'll, I'm willing to move my first. I'm not willing to move player A, B, C, or D or prospects A, B, C, or D. Um, let's go. And I, and I told Mike, Mike, I'm not apologizing for my prospect pool. We've got a good prospect pool. We've gone through, <laughs> we've we've been dragged yeah. through the bottom to, on you know, to 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 get to where we are right now. Um, to get high picks, very lucky and fortunate to win win lotteries. Uh, but I'm not I'm not gonna sit there and say, well, you got this guy and that guy and that guy. Well, I I don't care. Those that that. We, we, we were bad, and this is this is our reward. I'm not moving players, uh, prospect A, B, or C. Right. So that that's really how it goes. Um, I, I want to ask you about because we're all wondering here. Like this is you know Mike Greer's first years as a as a general manager, and we're you know lo- trying to look at his you know style and how he conducts business, and you know you look at it through his trades, his signings, drafts, etc. What was your experience like dealing with with Mike Greer, rookie general manager with the San Jose Sharks? It was great. Mike, Mike, and I are long long time friends. Uh, you know, our our young, his oldest, my youngest boys have played hockey together uh, the last few years. Have come through the the youth hockey system in the Boston area. So I've known Mike for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike is a, a a great human being, a great person. Uh, comes from a great family, has a great family. Like, so. This this experience with Mike was was good. Mike, um, like me, a couple of years ago, you you do lean on your 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 army in, in voices. Um, so completely, you know, the, both of us had a lot of patience for each other uh, because of processes that you know certain managers have to go through. And um, but very thorough. Mike's a very thorough general manager, which is a, personally believe is the right way. Have a plan, stick to it. Mm-hmm. You get to a certain area, you may have to deviate. Um, but at the end of the day, Mike's the manager. He made a decision uh, to to pull the trigger on this, like me. Like I didn't. I it 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 always falls on the shoulders of the manager. But no, the, my experience going through this with Mike was uh, was fantastic. Uh, with Tom Fitzgerald, general manager of the New Jersey Devils. Um, I, I'm curious because the New Jersey Devils have the reputation of being, like, I'll just be blunt with you. You have the reputation of being one of the smartest teams in the NHL. Um, so I would imagine when you bring this to other people in the organization, like, hey, we have a shot at Timo Meyer. I'm just curious about 
the conversations that happen, you know, within the within the four walls of the New Jersey Devils. You take it to scouts, you take it to your analytics department, you take it wherever you take it. What's the nature of the conversation when you go back with, hey, I think we might be able to get Timo Meyer here, everybody? Well, again, we're a very collaborative organization. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the decision falls on my shoulders. Uh, so when you gather all the information that is given to you, and, you, and I do think we make uh, we make really smart decisions. Um, I've got a great team, you know, with uh, my, my assistant general managers, Kate Madigan, Dan McKinnon, Al Santilli, who we brought in from, from Pittsburgh on personnel, someone who's won a couple cups. You know, Marty Berdor is on my yep. team. Scott Litwack was my captain cash guy. Uh, and Tyler Della, who leads our analytics department. Th- these are my weekly meetings, and, and, and then some as we get closer. And we, we go through it as a team. Um, we push each other. We challenge each other. And, uh, but like I said, the information that comes in is all, all real information. And at the end of the day, it's my, my job to evaluate it and, and make the decision. But when you get to that point where you go, I would say, I would say, Friday, maybe, maybe it was Friday. I felt, okay, there's a deal to be made here and we have to strike. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just, it gets, you know, pushing, pushing, shoving here and, and there around the margins. And, uh, but by the end, I felt Saturday night um, that this, this is real uh, and just pushed hard yesterday to, to finalize it. Um. Give us a sales pitch. Like we look at Timo Meyer, we know who the player is, but we look at it through our eyes. Uh, you played. You're a manager. You're twenty four seven hockey lifer. How does Timo Meyer help the New Jersey Devils? Well, I, I think Timo Meyer helps New Jersey in, in, in a very obvious way. He he's one hell of a player. He's big. He's strong. He holds on the pucks. He's heavy. Um, you know, areas an area of the game where I wanted to improve our team. Um, we have, I think, we're very high end skill. We can skate. We move pucks fast. Uh, I I don't believe we're we're not the biggest group, uh, but we play hard and we like I said we play fast and compete. But adding adding a piece, piece like this, uh, you know, gives us some more strength. Gives us some more balance uh, in our top six. Uh, allows us to slot people um, maybe you know properly uh, and give us that depth. And everybody, there's going to be one player slides down, another slides down, another slides down, and and you strengthen your team that way by adding a player like of, of, of Timo's caliber. Um, I, I'm curious a, a couple of things here. Uh, one, are you done? And two, what's your job after trade deadline? Like it's 3:01 Eastern on Friday. What does Tom Fitzgerald do? <laughs> well, um, are we done? I have my pro scouts and my personnel people, my team, uh, coming in later today. We'll get going. We'll address the roster, you know, give a state of the union. Um, I'll have Lindy speak to our group at some point, uh, kind of where he sees our team. And uh, if we were to add, what, where are some of the areas we'd like to add? You know, what boxes do we want to check? Um, and start looking at some depth pieces. Uh, you know, maybe there's some depth pieces that are even, you know, American League type guys. Um, but when you, when you, you know, we're not planning on just, you know, getting into the playoffs. You know, the goal is obviously to, to win rounds, and that's hard, and you need depth to do that. So 
probably probably start there and start looking at potential all these potential options that may be out there and you know what 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 would fit best with our group age wise experience wise um so yeah we'll we'll go through the, this week and start drawing up you know i guess you know players of want um and see if possibly we could add that way uh what what do i do on uh, at 301 on deadline day i'll be honest with you this year i'm um after I do my media, uh, if I, I don't even know if I'm doing my media. It depends on if I can trade. But, you know what, I'm getting on a flight that night. I'm going to visit my youngest son who's in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, playing in the USHL. It's, 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 uh, nice. it's family weekend, um, and I'm going uh, to go watch and support him um, and be a dad uh, on Saturday night. Enjoy myself with my wife and you know, show my son how proud I am of him, and that's what I'm going to do. After that, you know what, we'll start doing, you know, you start – you start looking at the draft. You start looking at, uh, you know, playoff. You know, where are you going to? What do we need to do to prepare for playoffs? Um, you know, I've got a lot of, a lot of my team uh, contracts are up, so we'll start doing all that stuff and start plugging away that way. And enjoy watching uh, my team play. Last one for you. Well, and listen, it's an impressive squad. And you know, Saturday even John Tortorella remarked, "Like we're nowhere near these guys." I'm paraphrasing what Hort said, but it's like we're not even in the same league at this point. Um, last one for you: when you're you're going through in your in your mind um, other pieces, and you know whether you're talking to Lindy Ruff or, as you mentioned, any of your assistants um, or any of your analytics crew or whatever. How much in your mind this week, as you try to think about the finishing touches for the season on the Devils, are you thinking about? What do we need to beat the Rangers? Like, I'll be honest with you, Tom. Like, we're all, we're all salivating, thinking about an opening round matchup, New Jersey and New York, like the Rangers and the Devils. Like, sign me up for 11 games of that, not seven. But how much in the back of your mind are you thinking, all right, we got to beat the Rangers here? <laughs> well, that, that's obviously the goal. Um, yeah, it's easier said than done. They're, they're a great hockey team. We know that we've got a. We're starting to see uh, the rivalry really come back to where it was back in the the, the 90s and 2000s, and um, yeah, we feel yeah. like it's it's back. Um, so, uh, New York Rangers are a very good hockey team. It sounds like they're going to continue to add, which is great. All I all I care about yep. is my team and how we play. And do we show up? Do we compete? Do we play to, to the level we're capable of playing? Are we do we shy away from from hardness, or do we do we take it on and and, and face face you know face to face with it, come face to face with it? You know, those are the things that all we can do is control. We can control and how we play. So that's all I would be concerned about. Well, listen, uh, we'll let you go on that. Uh, you're real busy. Uh, appreciate the time as always. Uh, congratulations on the Timo Meyer deal. We're all looking forward to that opening round. Good luck the rest of the week, and uh, wish your son all the best in Cedar Rapids this week, and uh, <laughs> enjoy some family time. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Take care. There he is. Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, listen, they got the big one, right? Like, I know Pat Kane and the Rangers, that's a large one as well. Obviously, future Hall of Famer. Uh, I think we were all wondering where Timo Meyer was going to go. And, you know, it, it is interesting the way sometimes the first team you hear ends up being the team that gets them. Like, right away, like, you listen to this show. You watch this show. Like, you're a hockey person. You get it. You know the landscape. When Timo Meyer became available, how many of you, show, quick show of hands. No, I can't see you through the magic eyeball. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of us looked at this and said, this would be a perfect fit 
for New Jersey. And again, it's not just the Nico Heischer, Jonas Siegenthaler, Swiss thing, although it is a nice piece of it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a need. And Fitzgerald talked about that. They're not the biggest team. You know, there are some players with some size, but they're generally on the back end. And we think of a player like Dougie Hamilton and we think of, you know, Ryan Graves and Kevin Ball and David Severson. Um, their blue line is big. Um, but up front, I mean, it's a lot of five tens and five elevens and you don't have to be, you know, six foot two or six foot three, but I'm just talking more about playing big. You know, because Timo Meyer is not six foot five, but he is your new age power forward. Big, strong, good against the boards, can score, is chippy. Um, that's Timo Meyer. Go to the net hard. He's that guy. So it's 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 always interesting. Sometimes it just seems so obvious. And along the way, like I was told um, late last night that there was one team, and I'm I'm not sure exactly who it is, so I don't want to guess and, and be wrong on the radio, who offered the San Jose Sharks essentially a whopper of a deal. Like, I don't know that it was, you know, 13 pieces big. Like, that's what the deal ended up between San Jose and New Jersey. But from what I was told, it was an immense deal. And it sounds like they were more than, you know, they were more than put out a little bit when the when the, um uh, when the San Jose Sharks said, yeah, we're not going in that direction, you're out. Um, so that's, and I think there were a few teams that were in that boat. I think that, uh, you know, Elliot's talked about this before, the various teams that were involved with uh, with, with Timo Meyer. Um, but New Jersey gets their guy, uh, Patrick Kane, coming for the Rangers. So the New York Rangers are going to get one more addition this week. It'll either be Wednesday or Thursday, and the first round in the Eastern Conference looks fantastic with Tampa, Toronto, and with New Jersey and the New York Rangers. So a couple of things. Let's bring uh, Matt Marchese, our producer, on uh, on board on this one here. So, Matty, first of all, I, I should have pointed this out earlier in the program with you. When, um, ooh, hang on. We may have something here. Just getting a note. It looks like... Lafferty and McCabe are on the move. Maddie, have you seen anything with Lafferty and McCabe? I have not yet, but I will uh I will search up and see what I can find. All my so inside sources. That I, I wonder have. hang on. I see I wonder about see I I wonder about like to be honest with you, I wonder about Toronto. With Sam Lafferty. Really, eh? I really do. I wonder about Toronto with Sam Lafferty. I think that, you know, after the uh, the Tanner Janot. Wow. Hang on one second here. Maddie, can you? Uh, I'm going to send I a can filibuster here. This is really bad to do. I'm, I'm just going to turn this over while I try to send one out to find out about Sam Rafferty. Or Lafferty. Yeah. Hang on. Can you I got, uh, I got filibuster it here. here for a couple of seconds? Sure. Okay. I wanted to talk about this and we and this kind of goes with what the conversation that we were talking about um after the Genoa deal. And actually this is this is uh, very interesting from Julian Breesball what he said. I mean, listen, they have no draft picks basically for, for the next three seasons, but he said at the end of the day, I know there's a perceived value of those picks, but we have a really good idea of what the actual value of those picks are. Individually, you can go 
what's the first round pick worth, what's the second round pick worth, and so on and so forth. When we look at what it's worth to us based on the odds of those picks turning into good NHL players down the road, I'd rather have the good player right now for this season and next season and help this group win right now because I know what the odds are of those picks turning into players. I also know what the odds are of those picks turning into players that can help us win while we have this group of players right now in their prime, ready to go on another long run. Finishes off with saying the odds of that are zero. None of those picks we were going to, none of those picks were going to help. None of the players were going, we were going to draft with those picks are going to help us win this year or next, or probably the year after that. So when you put it into that context and you frame it that way, it ends up being a pretty easy decision, actually. I apologize. I didn't hear the thing you said. I'm trying to figure That's out okay. where Sam Lafferty is, is <laughs> no, going. No, no problem. So, so basically the crux of it is Tampa Bay said, we're in a window, we're going to deal away these picks. And we don't have an issue with that because we have a window to win with the group that we have. They have, they don't have a pick until the sixth round in this year's draft. The Tampa Bay lightning do not have their first or second in the next two drafts after that. Like there, if there was ever a let's do this now type deal, it's probably what they did with, Brandon Hagel last year. Uh, you can make the argument they made with Nick Paul last year and also the deal that they just made for Tanner Janot. So the, the Lightning have, they've kind of taken this ball of we're going to win now and deal with the consequences later and really run with it. And I, I kind of applaud Julian Breesbaugh for the work that he's done here because I admire that kind of gumption because he knows that this window is probably another two or three years and then they're going to have to kind of rethink things. Steven Stamkos is getting older. Nikita Kucherov is getting older. I think Tampa Bay is, is super interesting. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about the Janot thing, kind of changing the way that maybe the Maple Leafs think, because I think that Tampa Bay is doing their own thing, saying, listen, we're going to add the guys that we think that we're going to go on a lengthy playoff run, and we're not worried about the Toronto Maple Leafs, where I think that Toronto has it in the back of their mind saying, we need to add players that are going to help beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, and then the rest is kind of gravy for us here. Okay. Um, okay. Do we have a destination? My main job is to – okay. <laughs> Not yet. I'm I'm, work, I'm working on it. Um, ah. How about this? How about we take a break and then when we come back, we'll. Uh... Why don't we do this? When we let me do this. I gotta let me work. Let me work on this. Uh, okay, I apologize. That's really bad radio. Uh, trying to figure out where I do wonder about Toronto here, and I do wonder about Toronto with Jake McCabe too. Uh, I would wonder about both um, with the Maple Leafs. We'll What's see. the pro- What do you think? Uh, the all right, let me hit a break. I don't know. Trust me, dude. I'm. <laughs> I'm trying to scramble here and send out uh, as many notes as possible. Let me uh, let me see what happens here. Let's uh, let's hit a break. Wondering about Lafferty and McCabe. Let's see what happens. Okay, uh, when we come back, as I scramble to try to find out here. So Adam Vingan is going to stop by uh, from Sportsnet and Sport Logique. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the Nashville situation and if I can find anything out about Lafferty and McCabe. I will present it ASAP. All right, quick break. I'm going to get to work. Back in a moment. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Okay, so what happened? Let me grab it here for you. Sorry, it has been a uh, a little bit of a crazy one here. Okay, so the uh, the Maple Leafs have acquired uh, Sam Lafferty and uh, and Jake McCabe, as we talked about as we uh, as we went to break. So. Going to the Chicago Blackhawks, a uh, first-round pick in 2025. Here, let me grab the actual press release. From the Toronto Maple Leafs, why don't we do it that way, shall we? Let's uh, let's grab this one. So, uh, Jake McCabe, 50% retained by the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, he has a uh, a no-trade. The only team, I believe, in Canada that he would uh, allow himself to be traded to was Toronto. Uh, Jake McCabe, 50% return uh, retained, and Sam Lafferty, along with Chicago's fifth in 24 they're fifth in 25. Both those picks are conditional. Chicago receives a conditional first rounder in 25. Toronto's second round pick in 26, Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogolev. So that is the deal. And there is the response you could look at for from the Toronto Maple Leafs for them, uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning acquiring. <laughs> it's wild out there, folks, right now. Um uh, acquiring Tanner you know, yesterday because we did wonder about a couple of things. Were the Maple Leafs going to get try try to get tougher to play against up front and on the back end? And with this one, Kyle Dubas now addresses both needs. Lafferty and McCabe are now members of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And thanks to Matt Marchese uh, for filibustering there as I tried to get more information. Is there anything else right now? Uh, no, but the Maple Leafs are pushing in just about every single trade chip right now, aren't they? Outside of Matthew Nyes, the Maple Leafs are pushing it all to the middle. So there you go. That's the very latest news. Uh, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty uh, of the Chicago Blackhawks, now members of the Toronto Maple Leafs as, again, like I refer to it on the podcast as the octagon of the East and it's happening. And it continues, and it happened last night again, and it's happening today with the Maple Leafs. Now, you know, they're not finishing up or summing up. They're still adding up uh, and adding players. So the East continues to get tougher. We look forward to that first-round matchup, the Toronto Maple Leafs facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we just talked to Tom Fitzgerald, general manager of the uh, New Jersey Devils, and it's going to be New Jersey facing off against the New York Rangers. And the first week start, like, I don't know if anyone's going to be left for Friday. I'll just be perfectly blunt. I don't know if anyone's going to be left for Friday. We always say that, and there's always some surprise trades and, you know, some, you know, depth performers that we always end up talking about. And we usually end up getting between, like, what, 16 to 25 trades done. Might be a little bit lighter this time around, but you can start the hype machine right now for the opening round, specifically in the Eastern Conference. The West is a jump ball. The West is... Um, place your bets. Who knows? Like someone, we saw moves made by, you know, the Winnipeg Jets picking up Nino Niederreiter. Don't think they're done. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights picking up Ivan Barbashev. I don't think anyone thinks that they are done either. Um, but we'll see what happens with other teams. Jack Johnson goes back to uh, to Colorado. They love him there. Uh, the Nashville Predators, meanwhile, and this is where we started the show, um, are very much in sell-off mode as they are uh, will be welcoming a new general manager to the mix as David Poyle steps down at the end of the season and right now is working with Barry Trotz uh, and still has a lot on his fastball. See Tanner Janot deal. 
Uh, David Poyle stepping down. Adam Vingan is uh, from Sportsnet and Sport Logic has covered the National Predators uh, for the longest time, and he he joins me now. Thank you so much for for hanging on as I try to get all the information out about the uh, the Lafferty McCabe deal quickly before we get to Nashville and the legacy of Poyle and Tanner Janot deal and what we may see with players like Matthias Ekholm and Dante Fabro, etc. Do you have a theory, Adam? Because I'm asking everybody. I think we're all wondering. Why the exodus from the west to the east? The east is completely loading up, and we're waiting for something big to happen in the west. Yeah, it's a really good question, Jeff. And when you just sort the standings by points or points percentage, how many of the top teams are Eastern Conference teams? Six, seven, until you get to Vegas or Dallas or Winnipeg? It really does feel like in arms race we haven't seen in one conference specifically in a very long time. And, and this trade that the Maple Leafs just uh, just consummated with the Blackhawks uh, to get Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe, I think that only adds to it. Um, just thinking about the deals that have been made in specifically the Atlantic division over the past week uh, from Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway uh, to Tanner Janot, yeah. now to Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe. I guess you could go back and, and throw Ryan O'Reilly and uh, and Nola Chari in yep. there as well. Um, the the top three in the in the Atlantic Division is is really a sight to see, and it's unfortunate that one of those teams is not going to make it past the first round um, because of the playoff format. But you know, I am I am watching the Eastern Conference playoffs this year with. With vested interest, I think it's going to be an absolute <laughs> slugfest in, in, in both divisions. Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't disagree. This is going to be you know must watch television. Like it, I know it's really hard, and it, it took me like I'll be honest with you, Adam. When I when I first started in this industry, it took me a while to be able to to master the art of watching more than one or two games at the same time. But this opening round uh, of the playoffs right now, like you better start training your eyeballs now. Like don't just watch one game, have your laptop open, have your iPad open as well and train your eyeballs to watch a bunch because this one looks good already. Um, Adam, I wanted to ask you about David Poyle and you covered David for a number of years, covered the Preds for a number of years. You know, David Poyle, you know, Barry Trotz, uh, you know, all the primaries involved there. Uh, one of the points that I was making off the top of the show today is, you know, we look at his resume with the Washington Capitals, really good team, consistently good. Um, they just happen to be trapped in the era of the Islanders and then the a really good Philadelphia Flyers team. Um, and I look at the Nashville Predators and it's building a team from scratch, uh, from a blank piece of paper uh, until a team that, uh, that made it to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but to me, when I th- when I'm going to think about David Poyle, to me the legacy is is not just the NHL market that he helped you know uh, discover and develop and grow, but to me it's youth hockey. It's youth hockey in Nashville. It's and I was mentioning this like my kids get emails for tournaments all the time, and Nashville is always on the list. Like they're always like big you know international hockey tournaments in Nashville, and if you told you know, 25 or 30 year old Jeff Merrick that one day one of the hot spots for youth hockey in America was going to be Nashville. I'd laugh you out of the conversation, not laughing anymore. Um, When you think of David Poyle's legacy, Adam, what comes to your mind? 
I, I think you make a really, really good point, Jeff. And I, I think when the Predators were established in the late 90s before what is now known as Bridgestone Arena was built, I think there may have been one ice surface in, in, in the Nashville area, maybe two. Um, and, and now, of course, there are multiple ice sheets around the Middle Tennessee area, which the Predators have had a, a significant role in constructing with the city. And you're right. When I when I moved to Nashville in 2015, it was at a it was at a time of transition for the Predators. That was Peter Laviolette's first season with the Predators. Of course, they had just made the coaching change from Barry Trotz, who at the time the only coach the Predators mm-hmm. had ever had. Um, the team was changing its identity from from that you know grinding grind you out style to a more fast paced offensive team. You know, when I got here, the Predators were one of the better teams in the league that season. They were challenging for the President's Trophy. They ultimately didn't win it. They slumped down the stretch. But, you know, I have seen, you know, I have seen interest in this team grow exponentially firsthand over the past eight years. You know, for me, I think it, I think it was crystallized when the Predators held the All-Star game in, what was that, 2016, Hmm. when, when they held the All-Star game just to see how how the city took to it, how much the players who were a part of it loved it. I know that the the headline of the of the All Star Game in Nashville that was the first three on three tournament. That was also the, uh, the 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 story of John Scott as well. That was the that was the headline of that particular All Star Game. I don't know what but you're talking. I have I have no. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to refresh my memory on that, Adam. I'm not I'm not familiar with this story. the The John Scott story. I'm I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not picking up what you're putting down. I'll send you a a, a link later. Um, when but when but thinking of but thinking of just how the city took to it, yeah. the way that Nashville set up the entertainment for that event, having the concerts outside, getting musicians more involved. And then, of course, what everybody remembers was the 2017 Stanley Cup final and the streets of Broadway being flooded with fans who are watching the game outside when when the Predators were playing the Penguins in the Stanley Cup final. And David Boyle certainly had a significant role in all of that. I think he leaves, at least lately, I think he leaves somewhat of a complicated legacy in Nashville in the sense that the past several years have not been kind to David Boyle. They also have not been kind to the team. You know, since they lost in the mm-hmm. second round of the 2018 postseason to the Winnipeg Jets when they won the President's Trophy, the Predators won the President's Trophy, they have not won yeah. a playoff series. Lost in the first round to Dallas in 2019, lost in the qualifying round to the Coyotes in 2020 lost to the Hurricanes in the first round in 2021, and were swept by the Avalanche last season. And a lot of the moves that David Poyle made to sort of recapture the glory of 2016, 2017, 2018, they all, well, maybe not all, but a lot of them did backfire. You know, I think of the Kyle Turris three-team trade with Colorado and and Ottawa. Uh, You know, Mikhail Granlin for Kevin Fiala. Um, you know, they, they traded right. a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman, and he was gone after a year for Wayne Simmons, who was a rental that didn't work out. Um, there, there are just a lot of compounding mistakes that the Predators have made over the past few years to where it felt like they were stuck. It, it seemed as if, though, David Poyle and his, and his front office 
weren't committed to taking the necessary step back in order to get this team back to contention, which is why this weekend was so significant here in Nashville, not just the move of David Poyle retiring, but trading Nino Niederreiter and trading Tanner Juneau, because that signified to the fan base that the Predators seem to finally understand that they are not, as they are currently constructed, a team that is going to compete for the Stanley Cup. And it feels all of these moves this past weekend, of course, headlined by the, the retirement of David Poyle, it finally feels for the first time in a few years that this team has a clear direction. And I think that has fans mm-hmm. excited in Nashville just because for the past few years, it's felt like they've been in this sort of purgatory. Fans have felt like the Predators haven't been realistic about where this team is, where this team is headed. But by making the moves that they did this weekend and, of course, the announcement of David Poyle, a lot of fans here are feeling hopeful. They do feel that the Predators have finally recognized where they are in the pecking order in the, in the NHL and the Western Conference and that it may be a few lean years before they get back to being a contender. But I think everybody understands that those are necessary for them to get back to that place. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some... Um you've talked about this plenty. There are some lengthy contracts uh, on the squad. Um, some would say, like, I like, I don't know about you, Adam, but I always come shy about saying, you know, immovable, you know, um, c- contracts that you just can't get rid of because we've seen it before. Uh, sometimes you need to attach a premium to it to make it happen. Um, I know that, you know, Nashville is, is, is not a team you know, unlike, uh, you know, big money Toronto or New York or whomever that can, you know, essentially afford to attach things to players or, you know, eat salary. But do you get a sense of how they'd be able to do this if they were able to do this? Like some of the big ticket players, like I'm not talking about Roman Yossi because I don't think Roman Yossi is going anywhere, but I'm thinking more along the, you know, Matt Deshane, Ryan Johansson, these types of, of contracts or... Do you say, you know what, maybe with, you know, Barry Trotz coming in, um, a new look to the team, you may get a better performance out of these players next season. How do you look at it? It, it is a difficult proposition because when you think about the, the two players the Predators have moved so far, they moved Nino Niederreiter, who had one year left on his contract, and they moved Tanner Janot, who was a restricted free agent. Jeff, you have have reported that Dante Fabro is expected to be moved, yes. and you've mentioned San Jose yes. as a possibility. He is also a restricted free yes. agent. A lot of the yeah. big, a lot of the big trades we've been talking about in the league this year all involve UFAs or RFAs. The Predators don't have any UFAs uh, of consequence for the next few years. You know, Matthew Shane, Ryan Johansson. Uh, Mikhail Granlin, Matias Ekholm, Ryan McDonough, they're all locked in for two to three more years. And the, the, the one thing that I'm wondering about is after this haul that they received for Tanner Janot last night, you know, it, it's probably going to take assets like those attached to some of these players to get them off of the books. And, and one thing that David Poyle has never done, and if he doesn't do it by June 30th, he'll have retired having never done it, is retain salary in a trade. He, ha- he has never done that. And I think that it's probably going to take retaining a portion of Matthew Shane's salary, say, or Matthias Ekholm's salary 
to make those things work or attaching a premium asset like a draft pick or a prospect. And it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how how Barry Trotz navigates that when he takes over fully because those those contracts. You're right, Jeff. Not contracts can certainly be burdensome, but they but they they are not impossible to move. But it is going to take some creativity on the part of Barry Trotz if he decides to to move some of those contracts because the, the players that they are attached to are older players. Yeah. They, they're 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 exiting their prime years. And it might be harder to move. Some of them have trade protection. I believe Matthew Shane has a modified no trade clause that kicks in next season. Um, uh, Ryan McDonough has a no trade clause that came with him from Tampa Bay. So those players have some control. Matias Ackholm does not have any protection. Ryan Johansson does not have any protection. Mikhail Granlin doesn't have any protection. But I I think those are contracts that are going to be hard to move between now and Friday, certainly. But are going to be mm-hmm. even I think are going to be are going to require some creativity on the part of the front office to to get those contracts free up that cap space and, and fill those uh, and fill those spots with you know up and comers. Okay, real quick before I let you go, Adam, your thoughts on or just give us a sort of snapshot or you know the initial reaction. You know the return of Barry Trotz. We thought it was a possibility next season, albeit behind the bench. We had heard the rumors of Barry Trotz returning at some point somewhere down the road as a manager. That was a career trajectory for Barry Trotz. Uh, the reaction and how you think he'll, he'll, he'll do as a general manager in Nashville. Yeah, I think if, if anyone could make the leap from the bench to the front office, I think it's Barry Trotz. Just because he has seen Agreed. and done it all in hockey. And I think it's important that he has spent the past nine years outside of Nashville. I think it was important that he went to Washington. Of course, he won the Stanley Cup there. I think it's important he was in New York working with Lou Lamorello. I think those experiences outside of Nashville will serve him well because it's easy to look at this decision and say, well, Barry Trotz was an original member of this franchise too. Is this really a new voice in the front office? And In one sense, no, it's not because of the familiarity with Barry Trotz. But I think the fact that he is a franchise icon will buy him time as he settles into this job and puts his stamp on the team. So as you said, it was expected that Barry Trotz could turn back up in Nashville in some capacity. I think fans are excited. And as I said, and as you know, every, I I don't think anyone, if you, if you do not love Barry Trotz, there's something wrong with you, not him. So I just think that (laughs) that will serve him well as uh, he acclimates to a new job. Ah, the old Regina Pats defenseman. Ah, I love it. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for uh, for stopping by. I always appreciate it. Be well. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. There he is. Uh, listen, I'll tell you, Adam has covered the Nashville Predators for a number of years. Glad to have him aboard as one of our teammates here at Sportsnet. Also does great work at Sport. Logic. All right. Um, just refreshing the top story of the day or the latest trade of the day. The Toronto Maple Leafs uh, picking up some players with term. Like, let's not let's not lose sight here that, you know, it, it's one thing to pick up a rental. And Kyle Dubas has always talked about, you know, rental players, even though Ryan O'Reilly is a rental with all due respect um, and, and what their value is. But we see now Sam Lafferty, who has another year remaining. Uh, on his contract at $1.15 million. Uh, he joins the Toronto Maple Leafs, as does defenseman Jake McCabe, 
who has two more seasons at $2 million uh, a copy. So the Maple Leafs pick up a couple of players with term. And much like everybody else in the Eastern Conference right now, and most specifically the team that the Toronto Maple Leafs are poised to face off against in the opening round, Kyle Dubas is pushing it all into the middle of the table. To me, it's a great thing. To me, this is what sports is supposed to be about. There is an element of burn the bridges to this, specifically with Kyle Dubas. Now, we've talked plenty about Kyle Dubas and his contract situation and will this influence how he behaves and and what he does. And, you know, Dubas has said, like, look, I'm not going to do anything irresponsible here, but if a deal makes sense for us, I am going to do it. There is an element very much of we're not going back here for Kyle Dubas. This is push everything to the middle. And if Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to go down in the first round, as many always look at the Maple Leafs and say, well, of course they will, because that's what they always do. Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs are going down swinging. And they're looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't think, and I don't expect Kyle Dubas to say that he did this just because of what the Tampa Bay Lightning did yesterday, specifically with Tanner Janot. And we all look at their bottom six and say, what a nasty piece of business that bottom six is now for the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That marriage of skill and a bottom six of nasty, miserable players to play against. But I think this is Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs at least acknowledging what they're up against in the first round. Now, they know the Tampa Bay Lightning from last season. And I think if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, a couple of things you're thinking of here. One, sure, we're still facing off against Andre Vasilevsky. And sure, the Maple Leafs are still, like if you're Toronto, you're thinking, okay, we're facing off against Vasilevsky. Okay, Stamkos, Kucherov, Sorelli, uh, a bottom six that's really miserable to play against. But let's not forget, too, This is a team that once again has lost players, whether it's Andre Palat, whether it's Ryan McDonough, like some really key pieces. Like this is the story of of being successful in the NHL. You know, one of the first teams we saw this with in the salary cap era were the Chicago Blackhawks, who would win a Stanley Cup and then have to get rid of like half their team and win a cup again and then get rid of more players because that's just the nature of the salary cap and compensating players that are successful and good hockey players that are going to win you Stanley cups are very expensive. There's also one other thing that I don't want to get lost here with this Toronto Maple Leafs move with Kyle Dubas. As much as this is, and these are moves, Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, as much as these are moves for the playoffs this year and getting this team through and getting this team over the first round playoff hump. I really do think that this is an indication to Austin Matthews at how serious this team is about putting a winner on the ice. Don't forget, it'll be this July when Judd Muldaver, agent for uh, Austin Matthews and Kyle Dubas sit down to negotiate and some will say it's not even a negotiation. It's just Moldaver saying this is what we want. A new contract, a long-term contract extension for Austin Matthews. This goes a long way to make Austin Matthews feel better about his team. Uh, one, thanks to Matt Marchese today for filibustering for me. 
as I tried to get you the, the very latest on Sam Lafferty and, and Jake McCabe. Uh, thanks to Lance Kennedy and Jen Rolnick, Friedman, Weeb, Tom Fitzgerald, GM of the uh, New Jersey Devils. Thank you for stopping by today. And Adam Vingan of Sportsnet and Sport Logic. Wild day so far. It'll continue here on television, tonight on TV, here on the radio as well. Enjoy it. Trade deadline week continues. Merrick Show returns tomorrow at noon.